The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Well, good morning, church. If we haven't met, my name is Craig Ruskamp, and I'm a non-staff elder here at Two Pillars Church. And, and fair warning, this morning, we're just going to jump right into this psalm, so if you haven't opened up a copy of your Bible, you're going to want to do that. Today's going to be one of those days where we're flipping uh, through all sorts of pages, so you're going to want that in front of you this morning. Let's, let's start by taking a look at the structure of Psalm 128. This psalm is a psalm of wisdom, and we hear that wisdom in the very first verse. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And that wisdom gets repeated in verse 4. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Right? So we have one piece of wisdom repeated twice here in this psalm. I think that's, that's kind of a heads up for us, right? Let's pay attention to that. And sandwiched in between those two verses, uh, we have what that blessing looks like. Verses 2 and 3. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. So that's what this blessing is going to look like. And then in verses 5 and 6, the psalmist is going to end with a prayer, a prayer over the readers. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children peace be upon Israel. So this morning, we're going to look at those three sections. We're going to look at the wisdom in verses 1 and 4. We're going to look at the blessing in verses 2 and 3, and we're going to end with a prayer in verses 5 and 6. And this morning, I want us to see that God's blessing is on those who are faithful and devout to Him. So let's start with verse 1, with the very first word, blessed. Now, Psalm 128 is a psalm about blessing, about the blessing of God on His people. And the word blessed or blessed is repeated four times in this psalm, right? And, and blessed or blessing means to prosper or to be happy, to be glad, to be satisfied in the Lord. And this theme of blessing, right, is, it seems to be a common theme for us this morning, but it's actually a theme throughout the entirety of the Bible. And this, this is where I want us to do the work this morning. I want us to see that all the way from Genesis to Revelations, this book, the Bible, is about blessing. So let's start at the beginning. Go all the way back to Genesis, the first, first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 27, says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, right? Immediately after God creates man and woman, he blesses them, right? And this continues with the first covenant that God made with Abraham. If you flip ahead a few pages uh, to Genesis chapter 12, we get 
this covenant that God makes with Abraham. I'm starting in verse 2. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, right? And this these family, this set-apart people that Abraham's the father of is the people of Israel, right? And we know that they go into Exodus, they're in slavery, and as they come out of slavery, Moses says this to them um, in Exodus 23. It's verse 25. So the people were in slavery, they're coming out of it, Moses is telling them all these things about God, and he says in verse 25, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, right? So again, God blessing the people. And we're not going to flip to this one, but if we did in Deuteronomy 33, God gives an individual blessing to each one of these tribes that he's called out, right? Now, jumping ahead a little bit uh, to David. David's kind of uh, the character we associate with Psalms, right? And David also had blessing upon blessing from God, and right? He had those victories, he had his physical wealth, he had his kingship over, over Israel. And we hear about David's blessing in his song to the Lord in 2 Samuel. So I'm turning to 2 Samuel chapter 22. David prays this, or sings this, writes this song for the Lord. And starting in verse 22, he says this, For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and from his statutes I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. This, This word reward is David acknowledging God's blessing over him. Um, the Psalm of Ascents, as we continue, it's the book we've been preaching in this summer, and the Psalm of Ascents is just one volume in the bigger picture of the entire book of Psalms. So if we turn to the beginning of Psalms, uh, chapter 1, we read about blessing again, right? It's actually the first word of Psalm, chapter 1, verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers." Our psalm this morning, Psalm 128, in a lot of ways repeats the blessing or the picture that Psalm 1 gives us, right? It has blessing. It has following God's ways. It has prospering, right? It's all there in Psalm 1. And then you can move ahead to the New Testament, right? To the time of Jesus. Jesus also paints a picture of blessing. He continues this theme in Matthew 5, right? Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. 
This is Matthew 5, uh, starting with verse 2. These are Jesus' words. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus also continues to paint a picture of blessing for us. And finally, if we go all the way to the end of our Bibles, uh, the book of Revelations, chapter 22. This is verse 7. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Oh, look, this, this list is in no way exhausting, right? Exhaustive, excuse me. I was reading my devotional last night. It's Psalm 119, and I was like, oh, there's a verse I could add uh, to my sermon, but I didn't. You're welcome. The, re- the reality is, once you know it, once you see it, you can't unsee it. The entire book of the Bible is God's blessing on us, right? His desire is to bless his children. He wants us to be a light, not hidden under a basket, but rather to shine for his glory so that everyone can see what living under his blessing looks like, right? And, and let's, let's be clear here. This blessing isn't always like rainbows and kittens and unicorns either, right? Um, Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son. David lost friends and children. Jesus was reviled to the point of death on a cross. The Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelations, he wrote that from an island he had been exiled to, right? But none of these people lived without the blessing of God in their lives. And we should want this too. Psalm 128 tells us, blessed is everyone. Everyone, right? So how do we receive the blessing of the Lord? Well, the rest of verse 1 tells us that we are to fear the Lord and walk in his ways. So what does it mean to fear the Lord and walk in his ways? I was talking to Marty, my son, about preaching this weekend, and he goes, well, it's not fear like we think of, right? And he's right. This fear is not what we commonly think about. It's not scary movie fear or scared of the dark fear or uh, spiders and snakes kind of fear. This fear of the Lord is reverence. It's having reverence for Him. It's living in right worship and obedience to God. We show our reverence to God through proper worship 
and obedience to him. It's having a, a right relationship with God, right? It's living in that obedience to the habits we learn from God. Fear of the Lord is reverence. And this, this has never been a question of belief in God. That's assumed. It's about the response you have to God. Do you despise or ignore him? Or do you rightly hold him in awe and majesty? Seeing him as mighty and sovereign and at the same time close and near to us. We are in awe of God's majesty, his power and might. And at the same time, we are aware of his judgment. That he is sovereign and in control of the world. And at the same time, he loves us. Uh, this is the picture given in the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, written by C.S. Lewis. When the children first go to meet Aslan, right? And Aslan, if you don't know it, is the allegorical Christ in this book. So Lucy asks, then isn't he safe? And Mr. Beaver famously replies, safe? Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And having read that series several times, I feel that in my bones, right? In my soul. Safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. God is in both the majestic and the ordinary. He's big and little. He's far and near. He is sovereign, yet gracious. He's the creator of the universe, and he's inside of you. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. That's the fear of the Lord, having reverence for him living in obedience to him and worshiping him as the one true God. So what about walking in his ways? What does it look like to walk in his ways? Well, we actually covered some of this already. I wonder if we saw it. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, which says, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Right? That's a command from God that we are called to follow. And that's what it looks like to walk in his ways. To be obedient to him. How about uh, David's song in Second Samuel? For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules are before me, and from his statutes I did not turn aside. Right? Knowing God's rules, his statutes, and then keeping them. Not departing from the Lord. That's walking in his ways. How about Psalm 1, starting in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Again, delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating on his law day and night, being planted in the streams of his word. 
That's what it looks like to walk in his ways. How about Revelation 22, verse 7, that we ended with? Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Keeping the word of God. That's what it looks like to walk in his ways. So do we see here that tied to these verses of blessing is also the wisdom of how to walk in his ways. We have to know his law and commands. We have to know and live out the words of the Lord, right? For us, that's the Bible. Do we know what's in it? Does it shape our lives and our decisions? Do we spend time meditating on his words? So that's verses 1 and 4. The theme of blessing across the entirety of the Bible. What it means to fear the Lord and walk in his ways. And now Psalm 128 gives us a picture of what it looks like to be blessed. Before before we dig into that, I wonder how you would have answered that question this morning. What would it look like for you to be blessed by God? So we sit here this morning, how would you answer that question? Well, verses 2 and 3 are going to give us an answer, right? It's a blessing that focuses on family and home. Verse 2 says, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Now, we have to do some work with the context here, because The psalmist is writing to the people of Israel, right? At that time, they worked the land in order to eat. And this is an agricultural society, right? They didn't run to the grocery store. They had to grow their own food. So there's a deep reliance or connection on the source of their food, and they understood the work it took to grow that food. This is written... For a people that deeply understand the labor it took to produce fruit. Let's notice the order of the first part of this verse. Fruit, the word fruit comes before the word labor because it's implied that you will work. Right? We're not being told to work. They already were working. It says those who are blessed see the fruit of the labor of their hands. In their work, And around the home, they are blessed, and it is well with them. As we continue, in verse 3, we're going to see the blessing of family. Verse 3 starts, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Again, imagery that's rooted in an agricultural society, in a society that understood plants, right? Paints a picture of a spouse that is fruitful or productive. And we can't take... Within your house, too literally, right? Wives are allowed to leave their house. Say it. My wife, my wife goes to an office for work five days a week, right? And she is still a fruitful vine within her house. Now, for others, this may look like serving your family in your home, right? And other folks might have some sort of combination of the two, right? We're not limited here. What is important is not what her calling is, but that she, that you and I, are faithful to the specific calling God has placed on our lives. Uh, To further illustrate my point here, let's consider 
a contrasting metaphor found in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 11. It says, she is loud, she is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. If you would read uh, all of chapter 7 of Proverbs, you would see they're describing a woman who is an adulteress. She's cheating on her husband, right? That's cast against the wife in Psalm 128 who is faithful and trustworthy. She is there to share in the work and the reward of blessing. She's not alone. If we continue reading the second half of verse 3, we read, Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Right? Now, wives and children are grouped together here because it reminds us of the harmony and closeness between a mother and her children. Right? And this is, again, another agricultural picture, right? The, the people of this time understand olives and olive shoots. They know that shoots are tender buds that need to be nurtured to grow. So our children are to be cared for and nurtured, to be discipled. Just last week, we read Psalm 127, which also spoke of the blessing of children. It said this, Behold, Children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Right, so we have these two pictures. Children are both tender shoots we nurture, but they are also weapons of war for the gospel. We should be grateful for the gift, the blessing of children. Now, this is why the context of this psalm is so important. The Israelites, the first audience to read and recite this psalm, lived at a time when food and family were their world. This imagery spoke clearly to them. If they had a full table with food to feed their wife and their children, they felt abundantly blessed. This is... God's picture of blessing for us. Seeing the fruit of the labor of your hands, having a spouse that is faithful and trustworthy, having children to both nurture and disciple. Psalm 128 is going to end with a prayer for the people. This is a prayer that has four different requests in it, so we're going to take a look at each one of these requests starts with, the Lord bless you from Zion. Psalmist is praying that God would bless his people from Zion. Zion, the holy hill, the place where the temple of the Lord is located. This shows, this tells us, we see here that blessing comes from the Lord. Right? Let's not be unclear about the source of these blessings. Yes, we labor Blessings are from God. Secondly, may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. This is a prayer uh, for community, a prayer for the church of God, right? We've talked about Jerusalem being the city where God dwelled and where the temple would be built. But a prayer, so this is a prayer for the prosperity of the church of Jerusalem. This is not just a blessing or prayer for the individual, but a prayer for the community. 
our blessing is wrapped up in the community of believers, right? We experience this together. We experience abundance together. We experience drought together. God's promises aren't just for individuals. They're for everyone. Third section says, May you see your children's children, right? A prayer for long life. We know that if you're able to see your children's children, you've had a long life, right? And some of you sitting here today know the blessing of seeing your children's children. You know and have experienced a long life and the joy of grandkids. Some of us are, are still walking that path, right? We're, we're praying that we too get to see our children's children, right? And this is a prayer about generations. This is a prayer that should immediately evoke the chaos going on downstairs, right? The, the legacy we're building here at Two Pillars Church, right? The growth in God's family. And finally, the last prayer, peace be upon Israel. Yes, the psalmist wrote this for the people of Israel, but through the resurrection, death and resurrection of Christ, who did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, we live in the new covenant where we are the Israel of God. Right? This is Galatians six sixteen, And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. We are the Israel of God. Our prayer should be peace be upon Two Pillars Church. Well, let, me, let me try to end things here. Uh, Eugene Peterson wrote this about Psalm 128, and this is long, but it's good. He says, There is a general assumption prevalent in the world that it is extremely difficult to be a Christian. While it is true that many don't completely disqualify themselves as Christians, they do modify their claims. Ordinary Christians, they call themselves. They respect the church, worship fairly regularly, and try to live decently. But they also give themselves somewhat generous margins to allow for the temptations and pressures put upon them by the world. To really be on the way of faith, take with absolute seriousness all that the Bible says, well, that requires a predisposition to saintliness, extraordinary willpower, and an unspecified number of nameless austerities that they are quite sure they cannot man manage. But this is as far from the truth as the East is from the West. The easiest thing to be in the world is a Christian. What is hard is to be a sinner. Being a Christian is what we are created for. The life of faith has the support of an entire creation and the resources of a magnificent redemption. The structure of this world was created by God so we can live in it easily and happily as his children. The history we walk in has been repeatedly entered by God, most notably in Jesus Christ, first to show us and then to help us live full of faith and exuberant with purpose. 
In the course of Christian discipleship, we discover that without Christ, we are doing it the hard way. And that with Christ, we are doing it the easy way. It is not Christians who have it hard, but non-Christians. The first time I read that, if I'm being honest, I was skeptical. Uh, I thought it was wrong, right? Christians in our time are persecuted. We are tempted. Uh, We have this pressure to live perfectly, right? We share the gospel in a world that is hostile to it. I thought Peterson can't be right. Uh, And then my dad had a stroke. It was just about a month ago. Over the 4th of July weekend, he had been fishing in Canada, came home, parked his boat in the driveway, put his fish in the freezer, told my mom he's going to bed. And that morning, next morning, excuse me, he had a stroke. And my mom called me from the hospital, so I rushed there to sit with her um, during his surgery. His carotid artery uh, was 100% blocked at that time when they went into surgery. And this is the point when it made sense, when I understood what Peterson was saying, right? Because as I walked from the parking lot of the hospital into the building, I was completely stripped of everything I had. Now, this is an experience, I'm sure I'm not the only one who has had it. Anyone who's experienced trauma or suffering or death can relate to this feeling, right? Because you see, as I walked from that parking lot to the hospital, I didn't care about sports or politics or social media. I wasn't thinking about my bank account, the size of my house, or the next TV series I wanted to binge, right? My only hope at that moment was in Christ. I have, we have nothing else. There's nothing of higher value in our lives, right? Let me be clear here, this has not ever been a crisis of faith for me. I have not doubted God's goodness or his abundant blessing over the past month of my life. My dad, he made it through surgery, and he's at Madonna, the rehabilitation hospital, and they're teaching him to walk and talk again. He has a very long journey ahead of him. But I see the blessing in my wife, Anne, my fruitful vine. I see Marty, Amos, Matthias and Theron, my tender olive shoots. We see the fruits of our labors. This has actually been a time over the last month of reflecting on what I value and how my life reflects those values, right? And look, I've not done this perfectly. I'm well aware this morning that I'm riding an emotional wave and that I'm tired. But my emotions will pass. And I will have seasons of being restored. But brothers and sisters, God clearly has my attention. 
I am desperate to fear the Lord and walk in his ways. And I don't just want that for myself. I want that for all of us. Our lives must reflect the importance and the value of the word of God. That's our purpose. We must fear the Lord and walk in his ways because we know we will be blessed. I want to end by praying these words um, from 1 John over us. So you join me in prayer, please. It says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Um, Father, we are well aware of your blessing this morning at Two Pillars Church, Lord. We, we see that in the building we sit in, Lord. The building we come to every Sunday to worship you, Lord. This building that you have blessed us with. We see that in your scripture from Genesis to revelations, Lord, that you bless those who belong to you, Lord. My prayer for us this morning is that we would be those who fear the Lord and walk in his ways, Lord, that we would keep your commandments, that we wouldn't be seen as liars when we say, I know him, Lord, but that we would truly know him, that we would reflect on your word, that we would meditate, that we would sit in the streams of your word, Lord, daily. That that word would help, would guide us in the decisions we make in our lives, Lord. We know um, right now in our world we are challenged. Our beliefs are challenged daily, Lord. And I pray that our beliefs come from your word, that we're able to clearly articulate those and know those, that we're able to share those with those of us around us, that we're able to show them what you have called us to believe, Lord. And I pray that we, we are known as the people here at Two Pillars Church who walk in the way that you showed us. We walk in the same way in which Christ walked, Lord. And there's so much to know and learn, continue to learn in that, Lord. So I'll just pray that we give ourselves grace, Lord. This is uh, a journey, not a sprint. Um, some of us are going at different speeds, Lord. Um, it's, it's not the speed at which we're going, Lord, but it's rather the goal and the journey, Lord. It's, it's a, the goal of living a life that honors and glorifies you, Lord. And it's the journey um, of doing that together um, as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that here at Two Pillars Church, um, we are blessed by you because we fear the Lord and we walk in your ways. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. 
Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.